are two paths that every single person is on. It's either a path to a successful retirement outcome or a path to an unsuccessful retirement outcome. And, and the challenge is people think they're on this path in the middle that doesn't exist. That's USA Today columnist Pete the Planner, host of the Million Dollar Plan podcast. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, he'll help us set house rules to get on that successful retirement path. Pete says that 35% is great, Al's 28% is pretty good, and 10% is a ticking time bomb. He's talking about the power percentage. He'll explain what it is and how to find yours. Al shares the eight benefits of claiming Social Security later, and the fellas explain why a Roth 401k may give you more purchasing power in retirement than a traditional 401k. And Joe wants to grow a fro. Now, here are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. I feel fresh, Al. I feel fresh. You do? Yeah. Went to the doctor last week. Get a clear uh, bill of health? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Everything looks good. Oh, that's good. But sometimes I sleep a little funny. Okay. You know? And I had this kind of little bit of a sore throat, and he's like, yeah, you think you snore? I go, yep. <laughs> he's like, you think you have a little bit of sleep apnea? And I was like, um, I don't know. I'm Maybe. sleeping. You Maybe. T- you tell me. <laughs> you tell me, right? And then he goes this. He's like, well, you know, when it's late at night and you're reading a book, do you kind of like doze off? <laughs> and I'm like, well, yes. That's true. When man. it's late at night. That's true of everybody. And when you're talking to me like this, I have and a, the stuff I read, yes, I doze off. I have a constant indent <laughs> on my forehead for when that happens. <laughs> It's like, oh my God. So I'm going to get a little sleep test. Are you? Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah. Usually yeah. That, that, that occurs when you're older or overweight, which you're neither. Yeah. So I don't know. Although you're not as young as you used to be. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's got a birthday coming up here, too. You sure do. Yeah. 43. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. Feels good. Feels like 23. Yeah, I'm 60. I feel 40. I feel your age. Yeah, you look yeah. 70. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, how was Greece? Oh, Greece was fantastic. We went to uh, six different ports on our cruise, uh, including some of the normal ones, Santorini and Mykonos. And uh, Joe, I got to say, it was it was a lot of fun. We This is Anne and I's first cruise. Uh, well, I guess we did one 15 years ago with the kids on one of those big giant ones. So this was a small one. This was uh, 130 guests. And it's, it's intimate. You get to know a lot of people, which is good and bad. bad yeah. Because sometimes you end up with people that, gosh, I wish I didn't keep seeing them. But <laughs> by and large, a great trip. Oh, how about if the whole boat was just, oh, <laughs> that'd be tough. Well, there was this one guy, he just had these stories and just told them over and over again. And I, I had dinner with him one night, heard the story at lunch. I was sitting across from him. He was talking to somebody else, heard the story. And then I was at the pool you know, the, the deck area, and he walked by with another guy. He was telling the story. <laughs> wow, this guy has hey. has the story. <laughs> it was pretty good, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, the third time through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Well, well, we'll see what happens here um, in the next, what, couple of weeks with this health care bill. Sure, yeah. It's important to see kind of what happens with because if that blows up, then it's going to be hard to get any tax reform. Yeah, that's kind of. And then kinda, if that happens, then we're going to see a little bit of pullback in the overall markets. Yeah, probably, Joe, because the markets kind of have some of that already factored in that right. there's going to be something happening. 
Ooh. And and I think a lot of people don't understand why does healthcare have to pass first before taxes? And the two are interrelated because the healthcare bill will eliminate certain taxes, and that's kind of like the starting point for the new tax bill. Right. So that that's why those are kind of related. Like the net investment income tax? Correct. Yes. That was the 3.8% tax on top of capital gains if your adjusted gross income is over 200 for a single taxpayer and 250 for a uh, joint filer. Wow, you've been studying up, haven't you? <sighs> yeah, unfortunately. No. <laughs> that's what you, the books <laughs> you read late at we, night? Yeah, this is what that's, we do every that's day. That's why you fall asleep. Yeah, with exactly. The book. <laughs> I was like, yeah, if you read what I read, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what happens there. As Big Al just mentioned, once health care passes, tax reform is the next step for President Trump and the Republicans. We're told it'll be the biggest tax cut ever, but the president and the GOP remain divided on a number of key policy questions. How might income tax, estate tax, and business tax change? Visit the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download the white paper, Tax Reform, Trump versus House GOP, to find out. Are your tax strategies at risk? Get year-end tax planning tips that can help you stay on track in the midst of uncertainty. Download the tax reform white paper to find out more. Visit the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Alan, I'm excited. I, I am too, Joe. This is, we got Pete, huh? Pete the Planner. Yes. PTP. Hey, fellas. How are you? <laughs> yeah. We, we are good. You know what? I was going to give you this grandiose introduction, Pete, but it seems like you're just chomping at the bit to get on our show. <laughs> well, once you say Pete the Clatter, yeah, yeah. everybody knows. You just got to jump in. <laughs> hey, well, I, I, I want to thank you very much. I'm a big fan of your work, um, and it's it, it's a real pleasure to have you. So um, thank you very much for taking a little bit of time to join uh, Big Al and I. No, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. I, I, it's my favorite topic on the planet, and I could talk about it all day, and I could talk about it for free. It turns out when you're on your show, those are the terms. <laughs> we, yeah, we sent you that contract, and you, you notice there's no comp. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that the, uh, the, the private jet uh, rider had been scratched out. <laughs> we didn't even send a bottle of wine, sorry. Oh, well. Pete, tell our audience a little bit about your background, and then I'm going to just pepper you with a bunch of good questions. Sure, yeah. So I was a financial advisor for a decade or so. Along the way, started writing. Uh, so I'm a columnist for USA Today now. I do work for Good Morning America. I've written 10 books. Uh, I, I study people's money habits, and uh, I love it. I love it. When I, this is, what, maybe six months ago, Alan came, and he goes, I got this best article. <laughs> You're going to be really excited about it. And he talked about the power percentage. And yeah. lo and behold, that's Pete the Planner. It's Pete the Planner. So, Pete, this is one of the coolest things. Um, and Al and I talk about it all the time, so we're stealing your stuff and you don't even know it. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> we're going to come up with um, the superpower percentage right. and we're going to trademark we're, that. We're going to tweak it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we're going to tweak it. But look, here, tell our listeners a little bit about what is the power percentage, why would you come up with it, um, and let's go from there. Okay, so this is a bit of a long story, but thank, thank God we have time. Uh, <laughs> about three or four years ago, my wife are, and I are at the dinner, and it's February, and for some reason, I always use our February date night to sort of update. Here's how we did financially last year. You know, like, guys, I'm trying to, like, store up brownie points. I'm thinking this is going to end well. And so I said, well, honey, we saved uh, more dollars last year than we did the, the year before. And so I'm waiting for her to shower me with praise or something, and, and, and she didn't. And she said, uh, well, by my math, that's a much lower percentage than we saved the year before. 
So it's like, <laughs> oh, who did I marry? What am I, what am I doing here? This is a bad idea. Uh, and it, it occurred to me that oftentimes our numbers, the dollars we have saved, that we do save, they don't tell the whole truth. Because reality is once you start working, um, what you're trying to do is you're trying to break your dependency on that work income over time so you can eventually stop working. And, and, and it's because of this, I, I kept looking for metrics as to figure out, like, how efficient is a person with their income, and how, how well can I tell that they're independent of their need for income? And I couldn't find one. And for a while, I was using sort of a derivation of net worth increase. And so we created this thing of power percentage that essentially says how much of your income either gets you out of your past, pay off debt, or moves you forward to the future, thus creating uh, independence. Um, or another way to say, of course, is the reverse is how dependent are you on your income? And so power percentage is the best way we found. We've been testing the, uh, the ever-living daylights out of it, and uh, I'm pretty happy with the results. It's a pretty good indication no matter how much money you make or how much money you have of what your current behavior is in relation to your financial health. Because people might look at, let's say, their credit score, and they'll say, hey, you know, I have a, whatever, 800 credit score. I feel pretty good about that. Or, you know, how much income that you have. But it's funny, the more income that people make, the more they potentially spend or borrow because they can. And so it's not necessarily indication of really how well that they're dealing with their overall wealth and their income. Yeah, this lady wrote me a letter uh, from my column a couple of months ago, and it was something to the effect of, hey, my husband and I make 400000 a year and we have, uh, collectively, and we have for the last 10 years or so. We're 55, we want to retire at 58, and we have $1.2 million. What do you think? <laughs> this is the classic sort of newspaper columnist emails you receive. And, and guys, you've already done the math. What I think is she's in big trouble. She's made $4 bucks over the last 120 months, and she's got $1.2 to show for it. Um, and so she's just too dependent. Like, her lifestyle... Uh, was consuming her entire income. And, and everyone thinks, you guys have done this long enough, you know everyone thinks they can cold turkey change their habits after their cake party retirement party. Uh, and, oh, we'll, we'll cut our spending back 60%, no problem. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. Because you haven't done it when it mattered. And so you're definitely not going to do it now. You know, it's funny. People underestimate all the time of how much that they're actually spending, too. Al and I will we'll sit down with a couple. They make 500000 bucks a year. They're in their 50s. They've been making five hundred grand a year for several years. They don't have any savings, mortgage, credit card debt, car loans. And we'll be like, well, how much do you think you spend on a monthly basis? You know, And then they'll look at each other and they'll say, well... I don't know. The cable bill's about a hundred bucks, and it, <laughs> it, it'll be three thousand a month. I guarantee. Yeah, it. Three, you know, it's five thousand a month. I go, that's sixty thousand bucks a year. You make five hundred grand. I mean, do you get robbed daily? I mean, where's the money going? Yeah, it's funny. We're we're on this precipice uh, uh, between people thinking they need a lot of money to retire, and just on the other side of that is being able to retire because you don't need a lot of money. I've just come to the conclusion with, with, with people um, absent pensions today, absent defined benefit plans, that the real solution to retirement planning is to not need money. Now, that's not being cheap, like going to McDonald's and stealing ketchup to make tomato soup. Like, we're not talking about being cheap. We're talking about breaking your dependency on your income. And, and, and what's great about this is, 
I don't know. I had this conversation with some colleagues, guys. I'm anxious for you to weigh in. I, they asked me from an industry perspective, uh, from a uh, you know a job perspective, what group of people do you find to be the most disciplined with money? Now, one of you guys is going to say an accountant, but I'm going to have to disagree with that. But I, <laughs> I, I would say, for me, it's teachers. Yeah, I was going to say teachers too. And, and what makes my heart sing uh, is that I can find a, a, a couple teachers who are married We'll have a beautiful financial life uh, while they're working and while they're retired, and the income isn't that great, but it doesn't matter because they're living within their means, whereas you got a you know, sales guy making a quarter million dollars a year, he's going to suffer through retirement because of his dependency on that higher level of income. Yeah, there's, there's no question about that. So, Pete, let, let's go over that power formula. How does that work? So what you do, uh, by the way, this is a much debated topic in my world, so what's going to happen at the conclusion of our program today? Your listeners are going to send me emails. They're going to try to throw a wrench in my spokes of how this thing is figured. I'm okay with it. I'm comfortable with it. So let's go through it. Well, it may be censored, so they may not get to hear it. We'll see. <laughs> so you go, uh, you, this is all monthly dollars. I'm going to give you a list of things. You add up monthly dollars, monthly dollars, monthly dollars. The amount you and your employer put into your retirement plan each month. Okay, so that's number one. And number two. Uh, how much you save or invest outside of that, which includes college plans, IRAs, and any savings that isn't going to be immediately spent, like a vacation savings or a holiday spending. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, then we've got the mortgage principal payment. Okay, so, uh, of course, when you pay your mortgage, it splits into a few pieces. I'm interested in how much of that mortgage payment is going to pay off the principal, which then tells me whether a person has a 15 or a 30 year mortgage. And so I want to know that number, the mortgage principal payment gets added in. Uh, you get to add in any HSA deposit, and then you can add in any other debt payment you're making, as long as it's not going to pay off a credit card which you used last month, like you can't cash flow it that way. It needs to be paying down a balance, and you cannot include debt payments on transportation costs because it's a depreciating asset. So uh, you add all those things up, you divide by your gross monthly income, and that gives you your power percentage. And, and so what's the goal? The goal is to be above 35%. So this is where I'm going to get a little dramatic, probably too dramatic, <laughs> so much so that I probably won't get invited back. Um, if you're 10% or below, you're a ticking time bomb, right? That's pretty dramatic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I think you're right. Well, it is, because here's what it means. It means one of two things. It either means, A, you got a bunch of debt, and you're not paying on any of it. Or it means you have no debt and you're not saving a dime. Well, actually, you are saving a dime in relation to the dollar you make because you're below 10%. <laughs> right. uh, 11 to 20%, eh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, 21 to 34 is good, and 35 and above is great. And, guys, what we're measuring here, and I mean, let's, let's be very clear, we're measuring current behavior. We're not measuring assets. We're not measuring income. We're not measuring debt or savings. We are measuring behavior. What are you doing with what you got right now? And I think by measuring power percentage, you eliminate complacency, which is so common for people who have already accumulated a good amount of money. So I, I did it myself. I think I'm 28 or 29 percent. So it's pretty good, right? Not, not, not great. And, and to make it go up, I mean, it's pretty simple. Save more, pay down more debt, and get on them, Pete. Get on them. Because I just oh, went I'm out of, I just went out of cruise to Greece, so I shouldn't have done that. Sounds like. Well, look, 
here's what I, you guys, I always want to know, like, what do I do? Here's the thing. I max out my retirement plan. I max out my kid's college plan. I max out my HSA. And then beyond that, I don't care what I spend money on because I've taken care of business, right? So um, I'm not, everyone thinks I'm a cheapskate. I'm really not. I, I just get rid of what I need to get rid of, and then you move on, right? I mean, I think that's the only way to do it, to be honest with you. There's so many different budgets and all of this stuff that I, I think no one ever goes with but if you pay yourself first and you max out what you need to do get, take care of business and then blow everything else who cares right yeah yeah so i'm going to give you the preview of next week's usa today column that i haven't even written yet but it's, it's this <laughs> did, it's did we inspire you yeah, I, think, I think so <laughs> let's just go with that let's go with that you inspire me. i'm comfortable with he's, that. he's writing about how terrible our show is I no think. no i was like you guys i heard this show and no so okay you guys are in a similar business I am in the sense that we just want to help people. We want to give little pieces of practical advice that, that, that stokes a fire in people financially. That's what we do, right? And so people hear all these rules, and they're, oh, do this, do that. Like, what I'm telling people right now is, like, just have rules. Like, your household should have standards. I don't care what they are, but if you don't have a financial standard, you're in trouble. So here's, my, here's our standard. Max up the things I just told you and don't have credit card debt. Those are the standards of our household. I don't care whatever else we do, but what I find is people that struggle with budgeting or saving for the future, you say, what are the rules of your house financially? And they just look at you like your head fell off because they have no rules. They have no standards. Think of when you go to dinner with your friend that's a vegetarian, and, and, and they were like, well, I'm a vegetarian. Of course, they talk about it all night. And, uh, and they, they, and they, they look sick. Yeah, yeah, they look a little light. <laughs> they, uh, they don't beat themselves up when it's time to order going, man, should I, should I have the pot roast? And they're not going to do it because their standard is no, right? And so it's really like putting your, putting your stake in the ground and saying, this is who we are and what we're going to do, and there's no wavering. So that's where I'm at right now. It's just like, just have a rule in your house. Just any rule. Have a rule. So you've got your house rules in place and retirement is shaping up nicely. The next step is to make sure that you leave a lasting legacy for the ones you love. Learn 10 gruesome estate planning mistakes to avoid at our free webinar, July 11th at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. Visit purefinancial.com estate to register. Nicole Newman, attorney at law, and Joe Anderson, CFP, will answer questions like, should you have a will or trust? How do you protect your assets from probate, in-laws, creditors, predators, and the expenses of long-term care? How do changes in estate tax law impact your existing estate plan? Visit purefinancial.com slash estate to sign up now for our free webinar, 10 Gruesome Estate Planning Mistakes to Avoid, Tuesday, July 11th at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. That's purefinancial.com slash estate. Welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joey Anderson, Big Al Clopine hanging out. Uh, we're talking to Pete the Planner. You know, <clears throat> a couple of other things that I really enjoy um about you is is it's always about your behavior of savings you know i think there's a lot of advisors there's a lot of different i guess financial uh people or shows or blogs or you know they 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 dive in so much of the allocation but if you if you're not saving it doesn't matter anyway i mean hey you have a really good allocation on your five bucks i mean what the hell are you gonna do with that yeah, it's funny. Personal finance has is, is definitely blossomed over the last few years. My current pet peeve, you're going to get me on a rant, and this is going to be embarrassing <laughs> for everybody. My current pet peeve is all the sort of anti-latte, anti-avocado toast stuff. Like, I get it. Like, I understand 
that if you eat a bunch of superfluous items on a regular basis, you wouldn't have as much money as you otherwise would. But as personal finance experts, wasting our time screaming about that is, is a little bit silly. Like, deal with the reverse. Don't tell people not to spend. Let's work on, on saving, because here's what happens. Let's say, guys, that I convince someone to eat one less whatever's expensive. I don't know. Uh, and then so they, do, they don't spend that money. They didn't save it. They just didn't spend it, right? And so then there's this idea that they're going to balance, spend that extra money that's there later. I, I think as professionals, we have to focus on getting people to do the good habits as opposed to complaining at them for their bad habits. And, and that's my current gripe. I'm a grumpy guy. guy. You know what I think, you know, piggy being, uh, piggybacking off that is, all right, so let's say that, you know, I like scotch, and there's an expensive scotch that I like to, to pound down a bottle of every Friday night. And let's say I don't do that one Friday night, and I save myself a couple hundred bucks. I'm, like you just said, I'm not going to save it. Guess what? I'm going to reward myself with something else. With something else. I'm going to buy something for 400 bucks the next week. So It's a big disconnect, right? I mean, it's this idea of like, uh, it's like, well... I took my lunch three days this week, so it saved $19. I'm like, no, no, you didn't. You really didn't. You just didn't spend 19 bucks unless that 19 bucks traveled its way to your savings account or to your IRA or towards your Chase deb- uh, credit card. It didn't matter. Your action was is futile. Hey, talk about your blog a little bit or, or your uh, podcast in regards yeah. to, I mean, it's interesting. It's, it's, you get people on there and you're like, all right, buddy, let's, let's get you naked here. Yeah, no, I, it's a, uh, it's a video podcast in which we get people naked. No, that's not true. <laughs> we, um, we get a person on every week from around the country and we change their name. So, and we don't say really where they live so they can just be honest and, and like not lie to themselves, not lie to me. They tell me exactly what they're doing financially, and we created this calculation that will tell them the exact day they will be a millionaire. And then so we use that day to work backwards, and then we try to move their million-dollar day up by changing some of their habits. Um, so it's called Million Dollar Day is the name of the podcast, or Million Dollar Plan, I should say. I don't even know the name of my podcast, but that's good. I'm a professional. <laughs> Uh, million dollar plan, and and that's what we do. We just we take one situation, we dive deep. If I have to yell at them, I yell at them. And oddly enough, after almost two hundred episodes, I always ask at the end if people have life insurance, and these people still come on the show without life insurance, and it once makes me want to go crazy. Yeah, they have a couple kids, and you know everything's doing pretty good. And uh, oh, well, what do I need that for? Yeah, you know? no will, yeah. no trust. Yeah, the, yeah I, that. That drives me bonkers. And here's, here's what happens, guys. You, you find these people have beautiful financial situations that are, you know, nine out of ten in terms of doing what they should do. But that lack of a contingency plan is just immature and embarrassing at best. You, you know, I think with how you're changing the way um, personal finance should be approached is, is what I think as an industry we need to do collectively. Um, and I think the most of the industry might be afraid to kind of give people the hard truths is, yeah, you know what? You make a lot of money. You've saved a million bucks, but you're going to go broke and you've got to face that. But no one necessarily wants to say that as a professional. Um, apparently I'm not a professional because <laughs> as you say that, <laughs> because I'll say it, but right. We, we, we kind of pussyfoot around and we don't necessarily want to hurt anyone's feelings. We don't want to say anything rude or anything like that. But you know, if, if I'm a personal trainer and you come into my office or my gym 
and you're 300 pounds, we got to say, hey, like the biggest loser. Hey, you are <laughs> overweight. Let's let's do something here. Yeah, it hit me probably this place six months ago. I was doing some work, and it, this idea hit me. There are two paths that every single person is on. It's either a path to a successful retirement outcome or a path to an unsuccessful retirement outcome. And, and the challenge is people think they're on this path in the middle that doesn't exist. They're like, no, I'm somewhere in the middle. No, no, you're not. Well, like, well I'm going to. It doesn't matter. You're either on the path to a successful outcome or an unsuccessful outcome, and math tells the truth. And if you're going to continue down an unsuccessful path for a couple more years, you're making it harder. I'm not going to explain compounding interest as, as an insult to your show, because everyone that listens to your show understands it. But the, the, the point is, um, people don't look at it in that binary way. They don't say, I'm either on the path to succeed or I'm on a path to not succeed. And if they're on a path to, to not succeed... Um, they're not looking at themselves in the mirror enough to, to change the behavior to get on the other path. Hey, Pete, where do people find you? Where can people watch you? Where, uh, where can they read your work and everything else? Uh, thanks for asking. PeteThePlanner.com is a good place to go. And then uh, USA Today. I don't know what day I'm in the paper, guys. I'm going to be honest. It's a very colorful paper. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I think I'm on Monday or Tuesday or it's one of the days. And, uh, yeah, just uh, we're here to help. We're here We're here to help. That's Pete the uh, Planner, folks. Uh, Pete, thanks so much for coming on. Hopefully you will uh, grace us with your uh, presence again on this, um, you know, little rinky show. On this show. Me- mediocre show. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I write in the Annadale Gazette. It's in Minnesota. There's about 200 people that live in the town, and they give me a call in once a quarter. Oh, well, as long as this interview doesn't get your show canceled, I'll be on again. <laughs> That's Pete the Planner. Go to PeteThePlanner.com. PeteThePlanner.com. we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Your Money, Your Wealth isn't just a podcast. It's also a TV show. Check out Your Money, Your Wealth on YouTube to see Joe and Big Al talking about planning for retirement over your entire lifespan, investing biases you may not realize you have, social security claiming strategies, and pure financial feud. What is the percentage of Social Security beneficiaries that are women? Uh, Mike? I'm going to go 45%. That is incorrect. Oh. Joe, you have a guess? I had no idea what the question was. <laughs> Watch clips of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show. Just search YouTube for Pure Financial Advisors and Your Money, Your Wealth. Time now for Big Al's List. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips, do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture in handy bullet point format. This week, eight benefits of claiming Social Security later. As a little prelude into that, I want to tell you, according to Social Security Administration, where America's income comes from. And, and this is all retirees together, so it's, everybody's different, but this is collective. So Social Security income accounts for 33% of your total retirement income. Interestingly enough, Joe, the second highest category is post-retirement work earnings. We're actually working, and that's 32%. Really? So after I retire, I'm still, still working Still working in, in some capacity. Right. right? You know, consulting, part-time. Yeah, right. right. Walmart. Walmart, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Pensions, 21%. Savings and investments, only 10%. Well, yeah, because no there's one's, no, no one's there's saved no one except our listeners. And then other, 4%. What's other? 
I think that's I think gifts? that's trust funds. Yeah, gifts, from parents. Yeah, living, yeah, living up the <laughs> inheritance. Up the yeah. <laughs> anyway, the the reason why I bring that up now is because it's important that we make the most of our social security, and when you claim it later, some good things can happen. And that's my list here: eight benefits of claiming social security later. One, the first one, Joe, is to avoid a benefit reduction, uh, which simply means that if you're uh, younger than full retirement age, which right now for this year is 66 years and two months, if you are collecting Social Security payments younger than that before full retirement age, and you're still working, you may have to give some of those benefits back. Yeah, there's two parts to that, because if I do claim it early, let's say at 62, then I receive a 25% permanent haircut on my benefit. And so that was fine back in the 80s, right? Because here's what people, I think, really have a hard time grasping. Because you and I know the statistics. But it's still like close to 65% of people take it as soon as they can get it. Correct. Right? And then you've got maybe 25% that are taking it at full retirement age. And then, you know, a few percent are waiting after full yeah, retirement age. Yeah, in fact, age. the stats, Joe, as I recall, the, on the most recent I saw is roughly 80% of the people take it before full retirement age. Sure. Which right now. 66 years and two months, which means they're getting less and less each year. And so by taking it uh, by taking it early, if you're still working, you have to perhaps pay some of it back. And, and it's, uh, what, 16900 roughly is the amount that you can earn without having to give any back until that last year. Yeah, but you don't really give it back. So let, let, let's talk two things here. True. And then I'll probably come back to this, or you'll probably come back to it. But if, let's say, when they, they had a significant change in Social Security back in the 80s. All right, so they changed the the full retirement age because it was at 65, then they moved it to 66 to 67. And then so depending on the year you were born, it was either 66 and 66 in 2 months, 66 in 4 months and so on until you reach um, age 67. So back in the 80s, right? So it did not matter because of where they looked at life expectancy. If you took it at 62, you took it at full retirement age or you took it at 70, you roughly got the same pool of money out of the system as long as you weren't working if you retired at age 62. That's true, and that's that's based upon normal life expectancy. Normal at life that expectancy point, at that point, which some people are more, some people are less. So on an individual level, it's different, but collectively, it didn't matter. Yes, it didn't matter at all. The numbers made out. It's like okay, well, let's say your total benefit was going to be seven hundred thousand dollars. Right. So if you took it at sixty-two, you got a permanent haircut, but it didn't matter because you took it four years early. You got that haircut, and then you lived a life expectancy. You got seven hundred grand. Right. Right. Total over your lifetime, or you wait till full retirement age, you got your full benefit, right? So you got 25% more of your benefit because you waited till your full retirement age. So you received more and then you lived to life expectancy. Guess what? Boom, 700 grand. Right. Or you waited till age 70 and then you got like 132% more, right? 8% delayed retirement credit to age 70. Then you take it there, but then you die, boom, 700,000. It didn't matter really. The numbers kind of jived if sure. you lived until normal life expectancy. Guess what? Our life expectancies have increased significantly since the 80s. Right. And they haven't changed the actuarial And they haven't tables. changed the actuarial tables, right? right? So, so the so, longer yeah. you wait, the probably the more dollars that you're going to receive. I think that's right. And Joe, that leads into the second one, which is collecting delayed retirement credits. And so that's if you if you take reti- uh, Social Security for retirement age, again, that's 66 years and two months, you get your normal benefit. But then if you wait till age 70, your benefit actually increases 8% per year. 
right? And so right now it's 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 close to 32%, about 31 30.5% in additional from weight from going from full retirement age to age 70. So you get a lot more benefit by waiting, and, and that's a benefit for life, right? Right. If you'd look at, what, age 62 to 70, what, is that a 75%? 75% difference, 76% difference. Uh, related to that is... Um, you and actually related to the first one is when you work and claim benefits at the same time, then it's better waiting because you got to wait till full retirement age. Otherwise, as we mentioned before, if you claim Social Security benefits before age 66 and two months in the current year, you may not get to keep all of your benefits because there's earning limitations. Right, and that's 16,920, right? Or 16,900 or 920? No, it's probably 920. So, all right, here's. Here's how that works. Social Security benefits are based on a monthly, um, they, they look at monthly income. And so if I'm taking my benefits at age 62 and I'm still working, and if I make more than 16920 of income, all right? So this is wages, though. This is wages or self-employment income. This is not um, like pension income. This is not 401k distributions. This is not interest or dividends. This is you actually in, in employed somewhere, earning um, a living, earned income. So if you make more than that, then all of a sudden, every $2 that you earned over that limit, they take a dollar back from your Social Security benefit. All right? So they don't necessarily take it back. They just assume that you didn't claim it. So what happens then is that, the, let's say you take it, you get a 25% permanent haircut, but if you're still working, if you're over that limit, then that 25% permanent haircut increases, right? So now it's not 25, it might be only 24, 23, 22, or decreases, I should say. Right. The amount of money that you receive later would increase. Yes, correct. So some people think, well, they're taking it from me. Well, no, I mean, you're just, you're going to get it back later with a higher benefit. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to take it at 62 if you're still fully employed because it might wipe everything out and it looks like you didn't claim anything to begin with. Yeah, and the other thing that happens, Joe, is you get this benefit at age 62 and you don't even realize it's not all yours until you do your tax return next year. The IRS, the Social Security Administration knows about that. As soon as they find out what you really made, they will reduce your benefit for the following year and they reduce it dollar for dollar. So you may not receive any payments for several months to make up for that excess that you got paid in the first year. Let me see if I can explain how the math works on the Oh, air. boy, you're going deep. But I have to round. Is that fair? <laughs> That's fair. Okay. So let's just say my Social Security benefit is $10,000 a year. Okay. All right? You with me? Yep. So I'm going to claim so my you... Social Security benefit at 62. It's 10000 bucks a year. Okay. All right. And let's just assume the income earning limit is 20000 versus 16920 Okay. All right. So the earnings limit's 20,000 bucks. Okay. All right. And then so I claim my benefit and I'm still working and I make $40,000 a year. All right? Right. So that's $20,000 over the limit. Right. Right? In that example? Sure. And so I'm $20,000 over the limit, so every $2 earned they take a buck back. So what are they going to do? They're going to take $10,000 of benefit away from me. Right. Well, my benefit is $10,000, so I would receive zero benefit. It would assume that I never claimed my benefit. Right. Does that make sense? Right. For purposes of your future actual benefit. Correct. But I already collected the $10,000 that year. Right. Right. 
And then so the following year, I'm you know still claiming my benefit. I'm still going. All of a sudden, I file my tax return in April. And then all of a sudden, Social Security Administration sees like, hey, what the hell are you doing, Anderson? <laughs> right? You made $40,000 here. You're, you're over the limit. We got to take this thing back. I already have it. I already spent that $10,000, right? And then so all of a sudden, my benefits are going to stop, right? Because I'm over the income limit. Right. And then they'll look at the tax return the following year, right? Oh, now I'm under the limit. It's not like I have to cut a check back to Social yeah. Security. They're just going to not give me that payment yeah. Ent- until, until I it's all cut yeah, until I get everything caught back up. Yeah, theoretically, if you're over that same example, if you're over that limit every single year, you may get to full retirement age and still not receive benefits until you've made up that overpayment. You got it. You right. got it. Right. So uh, that's another reason just to really understand the rules here, because there's a reason why they're doing this. They don't necessarily want you to double dip when you're taking the overall benefit. Okay, let's stop and take a breath here for a minute. Social Security is complicated, and in the last couple of years, the rules for claiming Social Security have changed. Learn how to maximize your Social Security benefits under the new rules. Visit the webinar section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to watch our Social Security webinar. Joe Anderson will teach you about claiming strategies, how to calculate your benefits, spousal and ex-spousal benefits, survivor and children's benefits, Social Security taxation, and so much more. Make sure you receive all the benefits to which you're entitled. Watch the webinar, How to Maximize Your Social Security Benefits Under the New Rules. Visit the webinar section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Now back to Big Al's list, the eight benefits of claiming Social Security later. The next one I want to go over is boost your annual earnings. Uh, Social Security payments are calculated using the 35 years in which you earn the most. And here's what can happen is people tend to earn more as they get older because they're more experienced. And if you retire at age 62, you're using a lot of your early years when you weren't making a lot of money. If you work to age 70, you've got eight more years of higher income that replace those lower beginning years, and you end up with much more benefits that way as well by waiting, in, in this case, to age 70. Here's another thing that people might not understand. Let's see if I do take my benefit at full retirement age, right? So I'm taking my Social Security benefit at full retirement age, but I'm still working. I want to work until age 70. So they're never going to hurt you, right? So you can claim your full um, your, your benefit at full retirement age, they're not going to do that clawback that we talked about earlier. It will be taxed, and I'm sure we're coming up with that shortly. But here's what happens is that, let's say I make $120,000 a year, the max of Social Security. So they're going to replace that one twenty with maybe an income that I made 35 years ago, right? So the next year, my Social Security benefits will increase, just because they're knocking out that lower year, they're adding on the higher year. So even if you are claiming your benefit at full retirement age and still working in those income years are higher than any other income year that you've had, that will go back into the calculation and then that will increase your overall benefit. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. And I'll just repeat that one first thing you said, which a lot of people still don't realize. At full retirement age, 66 years and two months, if you claim your benefits, you can work as much as you want. There's there's no clawback. There's there's no limitation. You can make a couple hundred thousand dollars and still receive your full benefit. It's only when you claim Social Security before full retirement age that you have certain income limitations. And those income limitations are based upon earned income only, salary, self-employment income. It doesn't, pension income, interest income, rental income, none of that counts, right? So just be aware of that. Another one, this is rather obvious, but I guess it's worth going over. You get larger payments when you're older, 
Yeah, right? <laughs> we wait on Social Security. So you get larger payments when you're older. But if you think about it, if you can work in your 60s, and a lot of people can, then not only do they, 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 they have higher salaries, they'll get higher benefits, but now maybe when they're in their 70s and they're not able to work, by, by waiting, good things have happened, right? Because they have a much higher benefit when they're not able to work. And this is a, it's a great benefit for those that can wait. You know, we talk about levers quite a bit on this show. It's just when you look at certain things that you can do to kind of stretch your dollar out within retirement. Working later, of course, is a key driver of that. Right. And the reason why is because then if I work a couple of years longer... That means I'm not taking money from my portfolio for, let's say, those two years. I'm not claiming my Social Security for those two years. I might be saving more money in those. So one working two years, three years longer, I mean, it, it affects three or four different things in a significant manner. Yeah, and, and of course, different for everybody. But I would say working an extra year or two would probably add another three to five years of re- retirement ability right. in terms of funding the retirement. Because exactly. it's, it's more than one for one at that point. It, yes, it's like, okay, well, well, if I work one more year, then that means I have one more year of retirement. No, if you work one more year, that could be four years could. more of funding of your retirement. It could. Next one, Joe, is you get bigger inflation adjustments. So Social Security each year looks at the cost of living inflation, and more often than not, there's an inflation adjustment. There's an increase in the amount that you get. Well, that increase is a percentage, and if you have a higher payment, your percentage increase is going to be higher. So you'll receive higher raises than those that took Social Security early. Just uh, another part of the equation when it comes to your overall retirement. I mean, Social Security is a key driver, and I think some people still underestimate the amount of you know dollars that they're going to receive, even though it might be 20%, 30% of your total income, but it's still 20%, 30%. You don't want to screw this up. Yeah, you don't. Another one, Joe, is less stress on your 401k and IRA savings. And this is, of course, presuming that you're working up until the point where you receive Social Security. So delaying Social Security will give you a bigger benefit. Benefit. And because you're working, you haven't touched your 401ks, your IRAs, the same thing you just said, which is by working those few extra more years, you think you're going to retire at 62 or 65, you work two or three years, it makes a huge difference in how your retirement looks. Uh, we're on the last one. Okay. Which is maximizing survivor payments. This, this is a big one, and this is, I think, one of the most important reasons you might want to wait as long as you can, hopefully to age 70, to claim your benefit. If you're married. If you're married, and if you're the higher wage earner. That could be husband, could be wife, it doesn't matter. But here's the thing, is the survivor payments, both of you probably worked at some point, both of you may have your own benefit, but when one spouse passes, the higher benefit between the two spouses is the one that the, the survivor survivor gets to take. Right, because the Social Security Administration says, all right, well, you had two benefits, one person passed, so we'll give you the higher of the two. Right, exactly. So if you think about it, if you have one spouse that has less of a benefit, claim that whenever you want. It's not as important, but the, the one that has the higher benefit, wait as long as you can, because... When one of you passes, if you know whether you're the one receiving the benefits or the survivor, you'll get that higher benefit for life. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of different things to consider because there's also the spousal benefit, right? So you got the survivor benefit if you're married, but also there's a spousal benefit. And the spousal benefit is always based on the full retirement age of the spouse. So let's say that my benefit is 1000 and let's just assume I'm married and my wife's benefit at full retirement age is 3000 bucks. Yeah, right? she, she was more productive it's than you. Very, a lot more, <laughs> Alan, a lot more. 
So, uh, so then all of a sudden, my benefit, I look at my benefit statement, says 1000 bucks, and I know 3000 that's too high of a benefit, but the, I'm just using the math for okay. all, all these advisors that are listening, probably saying Anderson is... <laughs> yeah, you know, wait, they tune him out because yeah, exactly, he doesn't know what he's, know talking, what he's about. talking about. Right. But the point is, is that my benefit from $1,000 would jump to $1,500. As long as I took that spousal benefit at full retirement age. If my wife took her benefit at 62, as long as I take the spousal at full retirement age, I would get half. Right? So it's not based on what their benefit is. Or if that spouse waited to age 70, I don't get half of the larger benefit. I don't get half of the smaller benefit. I would get half at, of their full retirement benefit as long as I take that benefit at full retirement okay, age. Okay, so let's say that again. So your, your, your wife takes her benefit at 62, which is a lower benefit right. by about 25%. You wait till full retirement age and take the spousal, which is half of hers. You get the amount that would have been at her full retirement age, not half of her age 62. You got it. I would yeah. not receive a reduction in my spousal benefit just because she took her benefit at 62. Right. Let's say she waited to age 70, and right. then I take the spousal benefit. I do not get an added benefit because she waited. So, I would so, still get 50% of her full retirement age benefit. Yeah, so when it comes to spousal, then then you'll want to wait till full, if you're taking the spousal benefit, you want to wait till full retirement age so that you get the highest maximum benefit. Right, and you can also claim on an ex-spouse as well, as long as you're not currently married. So if you are married for 10 years uh, to an individual, uh, you can claim on their benefit. Uh, so as long as you're full retirement age, they don't have to be claiming. When it comes to the spousal benefit, if you're currently married, they have to be claiming to claim the spousal yeah, benefit. Yeah, that's confusing. So you're married to your spouse. You can't claim the spousal unless they're claiming their benefit. But if you're divorced and have been married at least 10 years to an ex, you can claim uh, on their benefits whether or not they're claiming. Correct. And let's say you were married twice for... 10 years to each right. individual, then you can claim the higher of the two. So that's a strategy, right? Well, yeah, we're getting an app. <laughs> <laughs> so, so security app dating. So com, you got to be really nice for 10 years. Yeah, ten, right. Just ten, push through it. 10 just, years right? in a day. Yeah. Then you can go back to your normal self. Yeah, so here's the app, right? You have to put in <laughs> social security benefits. You can, you can, it, it's in a, a picture, a little countdown, right? How many days you've got to wait to get the full benefit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it will, yeah, have a little countdown. <laughs> we'll give you a little beeper. <laughs> that as soon as that 10 year hits, boom, you're out. Yeah, and it will have little colors. Each year you get closer. It gets a little bit closer to green or something. Can your portfolio stand up to a stress test? Find out. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and sign up for a free financial assessment with a certified financial planner who will stress test your portfolio. Are you on track for retirement? How much money will you need in retirement? How much income can you get from your portfolio? What social security strategies are available to you? Are your investments aligned with your goals? Stress test your portfolio. Sign up for a free two-meeting assessment with a certified financial planner at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Here's another thing that I want to get into is the taxation of Social Security, all right? Because we are broadcasting this in Southern California. Al and I both live in San Diego. So if you live in the state of California, we have a lot of podcast listeners. Um, for those of you that live in California and our radio listeners here in California, 
the state of California does not recognize Social Security benefits as taxable income. So the state of California won't tax it. And so that could be a 10% savings for a lot of you, depending on what your taxable income is going to be in retirement. So you have to look at the taxation of it. Also, you'll at the, at, at the very least, you'll get 15% tax-free on the feds. So 85% is the maximum that they will tax. So if my benefit is $10,000, 8,500 will show up on my 1040, right? So I'd get that 1,500 bucks tax-free. So that's pretty cool. So then it comes into strategy when it comes to taxes. So we talked all about, you know, delaying spousal survivor benefits, clawbacks, and so on. But if you really want to look at maximizing this, now you got to put a different discipline in, right? Such as the taxation of the overall benefits. And Al and I have ran these numbers multiple times. Is that, all right, well, here, if you live until normal life expectancy, it might make sense for a lot of you to continue to delay right? Because you're going to receive that higher benefit, but also the taxation of that benefit is going to be much favored versus the 401k dollars that you pull out, where it's going to be 100% taxable from the feds and the state. And plus an 8% delayed retirement credit. I mean, that's pretty good. You know, so if you think that you can you know, try to create that larger benefit from your 401k plan by investing. That's one thing. But just know it's not necessarily, again, what's on your 401k statement. It's what's coming out after tax. So you have to look at the taxation of this. You do, Joe. And and I think a, a lot of people, when they retire, let's just say they retire at age 65, for example, and, the, and they'll sign up for Medicare. And maybe they'll collect Social Security. That's a lot of people kind of have that date in mind. And uh, so I'm, I'm just going to go over a hypothetical person, which is somebody that has saved a, a lot of money outside of retirement because maybe they had a rental property that they sold, or maybe they inherited some money, or maybe they just saved some of their salary. So they've got some money to live off of. They got a bunch of money in an IRA, and now they're in a very low tax bracket for the next five years because if you if they push out Social Security, they don't have that. If they, they don't have to take money out of their IRAs because they're not saving. 70 and a half yet. So here's a strategy for you is start doing Roth conversions when you retire, age 65. You're in a very low tax bracket. Maybe you're married and your tax your taxable income is zero because your whatever little income you have is offset by your itemized deductions, exemptions. You could convert $75,000 in that example and still stay in the lowest 15% bracket. Do that for a few years. You get a lot of money into a Roth IRA. Now, at age 70, you go ahead and start Social Security. You've converted a bunch of your IRAs to Roth, and so there is no required minimum distribution in a Roth. And when you start taking money out of a Roth, it's 100% tax-free. So now you're, you're age 70 and 70 and a half, and it's like, wow, my income is still pretty low because I don't have this much of a required minimum distribution, number one. And they, we've got these rules on Social Security, and it's, it's only taxable depending upon my other income. And, and right now, Joe, if you're married and you're provisionally income is under $44,000, it's, it's, it's going to be less than 85% taxable. It'd probably be 50% taxable. And if your income is less than 32000 then none of it's taxed. And, and this is where a lot of people are kind of missing out on the Social Security. And it's when we talk about purchasing power of your money, it's like looking at all factors. And taxes are obviously a big part of that. Because if you can arrange your income throughout retirement to be tax efficient, you, you stretch your dollars a lot further. You know, um, Al and I just saw uh, a longtime favorite client. And they've been doing conversions since... 
I don't know. I don't know. It's just fresh in my mind, but I don't know. Probably what six, seven years. Yes. Right. Well, they've been poly clients for eight. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. So they've been doing conversions probably for eight years. Right. And so now, um, and they have a large sum of money. And it was all in retirement accounts. A lot of it was. And so we were able to convert over that time period at fairly low brackets to get probably 70% of their assets in Roths over the last probably seven years. And so now they have so much more flexibility, you know, because it's like, hey, we want to do a large purchase this year. Uh, how about if we pull, you know, 50000 100000 this and that or whatever. All right. Well, okay. Well, we could do a, a bunch of different things here. You could pull from the retirement account. If you want to pull $100,000 out, where well, you're going to have to pull about 160000 To pay the tax. Just to pay the tax. Right. Or we could pull from the Roth. Or maybe you finance it, you know. So I mean, there's there's options, and then you, you, because they have the capital to pay it off tomorrow, well, it might make sense to finance this thing. It, it really depends on the situation, but they have control. They have, they have the ability to to mitigate their tax to maximize their wealth um, because they have different options to pull from. Right. And then it's like, all right, well, they're living off of X amount of dollars. Al and I did a tax projection, and they were pulling most of it from the for, um, the IRAs because we wanted to continue to bleed those out and let the Roths grow until they claim their Social Security benefits at age 70. But after looking at the tax projection, it's like, you know what? It doesn't. Maybe we just give them another $20,000 of income in Roth, and that keeps them in the 15% tax bracket. Yeah. That's... Right? And, th- and, they're, and they're living off of about $150,000. Yeah, and they're paying the lowest tax They're rate. paying the lowest tax rate. And, and, that- and then MarketWatch came out with this, making this one move now can boost your retirement by thousands a year. Really? One move? One move. What do you think it is? Save more. New research shows that employees who choose a Roth 401k from their company menu of retirement plans might end up with more purchasing power in retirement than if they pick a traditional 401k. There you go. Here we go. See, this is the problem. It's always you have to... I mean, this is a very good article. They must be listening to Your Money Your Wealth. They must be. (laughs) Because people don't think of purchasing power. They look at their statement. Right. Those are two totally different things. Let me explain. If I have $100,000 in a 401k plan, and that 401k plan continues to grow... Right, and I keep putting money in pre-tax, my you know eighteen thousand dollars a year, twenty-four if I'm over fifty, and I watch that hundred thousand grow to one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand, two fifty. I feel pretty good, right? I look at the statement. I'm saying, hey, you know what? I'm building a nest egg. Yes, you are, but that two fifty or three hundred or whatever statement value you see is not all yours. And so for individuals that have saved a lot of money in retirement accounts, they will be shocked to know the amount of tax that they're going to pay. But here's what you hear is that, all right, well, I'll be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. And that is true for about probably 70% of the population. Right. It's, but the 30% is really what we're trying to talk to, the, the, the people that have saved, because the average balances of retirement accounts are pretty small. Right. Um, a lot yeah, of people I haven't I, saved. Our in, listeners are that 30%, and this actually is very relevant to you. Sure. Because then it's like, all right, well, now I take the money out of the 401k plan, I have to pay ordinary income tax. But most people that have saved money want to replicate their overall lifestyle in retirement. They don't necessarily want to reduce their lifestyle. The people that reduce their lifestyles don't necessarily want to, they have to. Right. And so as you're building your overall nest egg, the purchasing power means everything. It's not necessarily what's on your statement, but what is all yours. So in a Roth 401k, it's after tax, right? So yes, you do not get that tax deduction. So you're giving 
giving up a tax deduction today, but then all of those future dollars are going to grow 100% tax-free for you. So then you have to think of, all right, well, when do you need the deduction, right? So you could get in the math, and you and I have argued about this for years. <laughs> Is that, yeah, I get the math, and you look at, all right, well, here, if I get the deduction today, that's great, and then, you know, I get the tax deferral, but when do you need the money the most? It's not necessarily while you're working and have income. It's when you don't have any income at all and you're trying to produce the income from your overall investments. I'd much rather bite the bullet today and then have tax-free in the future. But uh, that's just me. <laughs> well, I, 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 t- I tend to agree with you in, in certain circumstances. Right. Right? I mean, so there's, there's certain cases where people are in the highest tax bracket today and will be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. And so maybe it doesn't necessarily make sense for them. But here's how the argument goes. And here's the fallacy in the traditional argument, in my opinion, which is this. Uh, you put $5,500 into a regular IRA and you get a tax deduction. Right, so you don't, it only costs you, you know, four thousand bucks yeah. or whatever. You put fifty five hundred dollars into a Roth. There's no tax deduction, so it costs you the whole fifty five hundred. So then there's a fifteen hundred dollar tax difference. Let's just say, and as the argument goes, to compare apples to apples, then you take that fifteen hundred dollars and you invest it, and you have a rate of return. And if you're in a higher tax bracket today versus retirement, you're you're in a better situation doing a traditional IRA. Now the problem, as you and I know, is nobody saves that fifteen hundred dollars. So in that case, the Roth actually is for savings and probably a better approach for a lot of people. Right. And so what Al's saying there is that the forty or the $5,500, you get a tax deduction. It's not costing you $5,500. So you get that little bit of a tax savings. But that tax savings, you should be saving then. But yeah. what are people doing? They're spending it. So when you got your tax refund, did you save it? No, of course no. not. Vacation. Yeah. I'm going to Greece. <laughs> yeah, you bought that new appliance or whatever you did, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I understand. I hate taxes more than you know most and what we try to do on the show is educate you on looking at things from a broader perspective. Al's been a CPA for over 30 years, and he's always looked in the review mirror until the last 10 years. That's right. Now I look forward. Yes, now you look forward. <laughs> right? We look forward to another day. Yeah, we do. I got Andre, your hair, man, I just can't get over it. Our producer today? Yeah, he's got a different look, doesn't he? It's, it's like a pillow on his head. <laughs> Is he sleeping? I'm not sure. That just so, looks comfortable. So you know I'm just going to grow a fro out like that. When How he, do you grow a fro like that? That's just long. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. You weren't born with hair like that, were you? Or do you go to the, <laughs> the he goes to the salon. You know, when I when we went to Greece, we flew to Paris and Athens, and everyone has these little pillows, those, those crescent-shaped pillows around their head on airplanes. I'm so not sure can, what a crescent-shape is. That's because you never fly. Oh, okay. But anyway, Andre doesn't need that because he's he's got the pillow on his head already. Hey. He could stand up and just kind of move his neck around a little bit. It's like, oh, I'm going to just like get a blow dryer. <laughs> blow dry that thing. You need a, about a year to grow your hair out. Me? Yeah. I would take me 50 years. <laughs> I went to Minnesota for, what, I left Thursday night, got back on Monday, didn't shave? Yeah. Nothing. You, you could tell. <laughs> I could have went to the office. It was like, no maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so... All right. Hey, that's it for us today. We'll see you again next week. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. 
So to recap today's show, the benefits of claiming Social Security later essentially boil down to the fact that if you can afford to wait, you'll end up with more money in just about all respects. If you save into your Roth 401k instead of your traditional 401k, you'll have more purchasing power in retirement. And oh, Joe can't grow no fro. Special thanks to our guest, Pete the Planner. Check him out on USA Today or at PeteThePlanner.com. Subscribe to this podcast at YourMoneyYourWealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, this show is about you. If there's something you'd like to hear on Your Money, Your Wealth, just email info at PureFinancial.com. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit PureFinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Your Money, Your Wealth opening song Motown Gold by Carl James Pestka is licensed under a Creative Commons license. 